Welcome to the Youth Voices of the Six, a podcast made by youth, for youth, and everyone in between. Powered by Toronto Team L and M of Pivot Canada. My name is Sigrika. I'm Kristen. And I'm Gary. We'd like to begin with the line acknowledgement. The Land Acknowledgements Act as an important step to reconciliation, to recognize that many of us today are on unceded territories that continue to be colonized by settlers. By taking the time to acknowledge the land on which we reside, it allows for Indigenous presence to be recognized. Furthermore, these acknowledgements offer space to give thanks and respect to the land as she is a mother to all living things. By making the statement, we declare our awareness of who we are and where we are on this land, while holding accountability for our actions or inactions as non-Indigenous folks. There are many things we can do to support Indigenous communities, including listening to Indigenous storytellers, researching their history, building relationships with Indigenous communities, and asking how you can help with the reconciliation. We acknowledge that our work takes place in unceded lands and traditional territories and strives to honor the land on which we work, study, and gather. The land I'm standing on today, also known as Tukoronto, is located on the treaty land and territory of the Mississaugas of the Credit and traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat people, and is now home to many diverse First Nations and Inuit, Inuit and Métis people. The territories within the lands protected by the Dish with One Spoon Wampum Belt Covenant, an agreement between the Haudenosaunee and the Anishinaabe and Allied Nation to peacefully share and care for the resources around the Great Lakes. This podcast is sponsored by Pivot 2020, a Canada-wide youth employment research project led by Youthful Cities and SFU Centre for Dialogue. I personally have ran in a lot of circles with people um, who are environmental students to people who are just passionate about climate change, just like all of us here. And it's really discouraging to hear when people have quote unquote given up or just feel like that their individual action or that their place in this whole matter is irrelevant or not substantial. And in this podcast, I'd just love to highlight so many great things that are happening in the city of Toronto and globally and things that you can all do individually that does in the end make a big difference uh, when it comes to the climate crisis. Um, so again, it can be very difficult to, um, I guess, handle this issue when the media portrays it in such negative tones, but it's also important to use that urgent language to get um, policymakers, um, politicians, and also just like general community members really engaged in the topic. Uh, so for example, like I've learned in my school that um, that urgent language is actually good. So you can, for example, describe uh, carbon emissions as carbon pollution and just really state what it is that urgent language does really uh, convey that message better. Um, we can also talk about renewable energies as clean energy versus dirty energy like fossil fuels so that um, immediate language is really important. Um, but again, it just needs to be juxtaposed with that need for uh, change and how we're moving forward. So language like we're promoting change or we're advancing together as a community or we're pre preserving like the lands that we have. That's all really important. Um, so yeah, I'm, there's a couple of things that I just wanted to mention that are um, that kind of keep me motivated. Something that my professor actually told me was that, um, you know, our generation of young people, we do really have a big uh, role to play here because we will be the next um, next generation of decision makers in all levels of whether that's government, industry, NGOs, we're going to be the ones um, coming to the table knowing how pressing climate change is. So that's something that really, really made me happy and made me really positive to keep moving forward with my passion. Um, 
So yeah, uh, let's agree. Can we talk a little bit about the initiative that's happening in Toronto that kind of put a smile on all of our faces when we started looking into this topic? Right. So um, I think that the whole point of just what we want to talk about today is um, that sometimes I, I think we can all say, and I've felt this way as well, and I'm sure everyone here agrees, that like at some points you feel like there isn't a way out and like just me doing my individual, you know, turning off the lights or, you know, turning off the tap after like while you're brushing your teeth, things like like little things like that. Um, won't make a big difference in the big picture because corporations need to step in. And, you know, that's kind of the way things are going to progress positively. Um, and so our whole idea today is just to discuss ways to still realize that all of that, like, is doing something for us. I guess. And I think it's really encouraging to find that like the, sorry, the city of Toronto um, came out with this initiative um, because they realized that, you know, um, climate emergency, like there, that there is a climate emergency. And so in October of 2019, city council um, decided to declare a climate emergency in the city of Toronto. And they decided to include this, um, this, this initiative known as Transform TO, um, where pretty much they came up with a whole bunch of different strategies and what they want to do um, effectively in the next maybe 20 years. Yeah. yeah, no, that's that's awesome. And I was on top of Transform TO, which is something that we all discovered during um, doing this research. There's also a lot of really great things that are happening in the city, but also in the province and in the country as a whole. Um, one thing that I learned was that um, maybe many of you have realized when Ryan the TTC, but Metrolinx is really like greenifying, they say, their production and their operations. So for example, the TTC is now deemed the largest fleet of electric buses in all of North America, which is like a really, really big deal if you consider all the major cities um, in the United States as well. So I think that's a really big milestone for our city being the one to kind of head that up. Um, There's also something we spoke about is uh, that climate strike that happened earlier on in this year. I know that there were some that went around globally, but if you think about it, that platform for youth advocacy in our city is a really big privilege. And uh, that really showcases how many people are passionate about this issue and who have almost dedicated themselves and said, in that action that I want to see change and that I'm going to make that happen in my city. So I just think that all these um, little positive antidotes are really important to reflect on when you're feeling this anxiety and burnout of what can I do or what can my city do to make this uh, better. Um, one last thing that I was just going to touch on is I'm really passionate about energy. So I always bring this back to energy. That's just something that I'm personally passionate about. And I learned that 82% of Canada's electricity is actually generated from non-greenhouse gas emitting sources. So you can call that clean energy sources. Um, so that's pretty awesome. 60% actually comes from hydro. And that's because we have the Great Lakes, which are really privileged to just kind of be right there in our backyard. Um, and just going even smaller in Ontario, uh, we've phased out the use of coal, which is awesome. And 34% um, of our energy comes from nuclear, which is renewable. And some of it comes from hydro. Those are two of the biggest ones. So I just think that listening to those little, um, little facts kind of help settle down the nerves and say, okay, maybe Toronto isn't perfect and, and never will be, but we're totally moving in a, in a good direction. And that's all we can really hope for. Just to jump in, I'm, I mean, usually when I hear numbers, I get thrown off, but the way you explained it definitely makes me feel better. Okay, we're in good hands. So 
Oh, I'm so glad I was able to do that, Gary. Yeah, hearing numbers also throws me off and I don't want to throw too many in to confuse like listeners, but hearing a big number like um, 82% of Canada's electricity is from non-greenhouse gas emitting sources is like a huge win if you look at all these other cities. So we can be proud to be Canadian in that sense. That's a good thing for us. Yeah. Um, I guess like we can also kind of touch on just um, like where do you want to like what do you think we can do from here like now that we have all these like stats in place and that we feel comfortable about the fact that we are headed in the right direction what do you think some of the things we can do as individuals on an everyday basis um, that will hopefully only make it better and better as a city Mm -hmm. i'm glad you brought that up because i feel even personally and you know i um I get heated from some of my friends and they're like, how are your little individual actions are going to matter? But I want to like reassure all listeners right now that your individual actions do matter. And the reason I say that is because um, we influence consumer markets and it's our choices and our behaviors that really do influence what the greater community is going to reflect. So um, a big one that I can think of is um, the movement to ban straws for turtle conservation. That's been a big thing on social media and it's something that's heavily promoted. And people are like, oh, what's the benefit of me using a metal straw? Like that just seems woke. Like what's the real benefit? Of this? <laughs> um, but the real benefit is that large companies like Starbucks, for example, has decided to ban plastic straws by 2020. And they're replacing them with lids that don't require straws to drink out of. And you can think that a big company like Starbucks, if they're willing to change their operations like that and get rid of such a plastic intensive process, like Uh, making straws that's a big deal for like all the different branches and all the different locations they have worldwide so that is just one small example about how consumer choices and people you know being concerned about this conservation issue really turned into action and really led to some change at a large corporate scale that puts a smile on my face so I still bring along my bubble tea straws and my normal metal straws everywhere I go but and like imagine how many um, plastic straws are no longer being thrown out every second all over the world and i know that it feels like a super small little action like not choosing to take a straw from starbucks but in the big picture it actually is like that's one straw that is now not going to be disposed so i think it is a big deal and i think that corporations definitely feel that push and that pressure when um their consumers are kind of you know moving in that direction because i know that the people who might go to starbucks may not be the same type of crowd that goes to a different place but imagine if everyone collectively began to kind of move in that direction of we don't really need to have these few things and so why do we still have them today and i think that it would make such a big difference in the in the big picture and i think just to add on i mean it's the mentality of us too right like now that uh this initiative has been happening for those who want to take their uh, metal straws with them, just by taking that metal straw from their house and leaving that house and taking it around with them, you're, you've already like uh, made your mindset clear that, okay, you, you have this initiative you're going to pursue and, and who knows, that could lead on to another um, uh, initiative, right? So exactly. Yeah, like, <laughs> like I have my bubble tea straw, um, and and it even comes with like a little brush to like clean it and everything, and it and it has like a little pouch case, and it's it's great because it's like it looks super trendy and nice, and like they've almost made it so that it caters to people and it's attractive looking, and um, but then it also does its part, which I think is the bigger thing, right? And I think um, that's what really comes down. That's what it comes down to. 
So certainly I think, and you know what, another example um, might be veganism. I think um, that was what we were discussing earlier as well, where veganism personally, I don't think was as huge of a deal, maybe even 20 years ago, but in our lifetime, it has grown tremendously in popularity. Um, and now, I mean, any restaurant that you would go to in Toronto, there's almost always a vegetarian or vegan option available. Um, and if there isn't, then like, there's high chances that they're working towards it. Like, it really is, I think that because people feel like, companies and restaurants and businesses feel the pressure to want to cater to their audience. And I think um, for that reason, it's, it's definitely like accelerated tremendously. Right, Kristen? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that with the example of the metal straws and even veganism, I think it just all comes back to scalability. And you might think, okay, what's my individual action going to do? But if restaurants are off offering like vegan options, or, you know, Starbucks and other coffee chains are offering non-straw like um, lids and things like that, that kind of just shows you that that breaks that stigma of uh, feeling not embarrassed, but like, well, does my individual action matter? Now the company is saying, yes, it does, because we are offering you the options that highly point to the need for change. So um, um, yeah, so like the veganism movement kind of actually began in 2010, around mm -hmm. there. And the whole intent was just to abolish animal exploitation. That was the main purpose. Those are people who are really um, passionate about um, animal rights. But I think what also came out of the veganism movement was the environmental benefits to it. Um, I hate to be the one to throw out facts, but it's another one that I really <laughs> saw. And um, this is why I'm so trying to become more and more vegetarian, because I realize it's so needed. But for example, to, um, for like, beef production so just to raise an animal from like birth to slaughter at the very end it takes 27 kilograms of co2 that's emitted into the atmosphere while for example growing tofu and dried beans so things that vegetarians and uh, vegans would eat it's only two kilograms of co2 that's like a 25 kilogram difference so if you just changed your personal diet you already see the benefits the environmental benefits of your personal actions so i think numbers like that really do reflect how grave all of our actions are and it really shows you that what you decide in the end of the day will make a difference on the greater scheme so you don't feel that burnout or you shouldn't feel that guilt because everything does matter in the end of the day yeah. have any of you watched cowspiracy i don't know if you've watched it on netflix but that was part of the reason why i definitely wanted to take a step back from me like i'm i'm not gonna say that I'm vegetarian by any means, but like I definitely am a meat eater, but I've certainly reduced my amount so much because after watching that, um, like you were saying about beef, how much it takes to grow, um, just, you know, like, like cows and cattle all over, it takes so much land, it takes so much grain. Man, one of the facts in that, in that um, documentary talked about how if we were not feeding grains to all these cows um how much f grain would be able to go towards people who aren't able to afford any food and that makes me just like cows are eating twice as much of grain and imagine if we would be able to not just you know reduce all kinds of carbon emissions but also people wouldn't be starving all over the world so really there's a lot of benefits there I think what I love about 
like this field that I was privileged enough to study is like the interdisciplinary aspects of environmental issues. So not only are you talking about the environmental benefits of like water conservation, because a lot of water goes into, um, you know, raising those animals for that arable land and things like that. But then now you're talking about food security for not only animals, but for humans, right? So all these um, issues are so interrelated and it really shows you how like your actions do actually benefit so many different scales and so many different industries that again that really shows you how important your actions matter and um yeah so even in the veganism thing I, what i found really cool is that it's actually like um it's affecting like landscapes in cities so for example there's like a vegan dale in park in the parkdale neighborhood in toronto and that whole block is transformed and people know it as vegan dale and basically like that um that like infrastructure and that neighborhood is now tailored towards those who decide to eat vegan. And that's not only in Toronto, but they also have one in Chicago and New York and in Houston. So it's really showing you like how consumer choices have influenced like just the city landscape, which I find like pretty remarkable and like pretty crazy. Um, and yeah, it puts a smile on my face, I guess, that, that someone's able to instill so much change in their city. Yeah, for sure. I definitely think that we are headed towards like so many countries all over the world are coming out with um, options. Like for example, even Beyond Meat. I mean, I know that some people there's there's a lot of there's a lot of different opinions on Beyond Meat. Some people like it. Other people are kind of concerned with what goes in Beyond Meat. Like, am I eating chemicals or am I eating actual good food or what is it? But I just feel like it's just the start of something new. Like even if Beyond Meat is not perfect, even if they're, they are made, I'm, I'm not, I don't know about this, but even if they are completely made of chemicals all, all over the place, it's still the start of this like almost a revolution of people and creative uh, minds coming together and coming out with different alternatives to make, um, you know, meat options vegetarian which is crazy to think about but i know that there are so many um different projects happening all over where they're using mung beans for example and like lots of different grains to come out with meat alternatives and i mean i can see why there would be a lot of conflict on that but certainly it's something to think about considering like you know our population is going to apparently like approximately estimate to like 9.7 billion by 2050, which I think is insane. And I think we definitely need to start coming out with ways if we're all gonna be on this planet, how are we gonna all survive? How are we all gonna, there's not enough meat on this planet or grains. So I think that the fact that we keep on progressing this way, I think that that's really, really inspiring. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, I think that what that had done actually, and I think this began last summer, at least like to my memory, it really like sparked a conversation. And every friend group and every family gathering that I was at, everyone was talking about the Beyond Meat Burger. Everyone was talking about vegetarianism because it was at a it was at Tim Hortons for a little bit. Like it, it did really spread. And I think it just sparked so much conversation that that's the first step to change, right? Like I spoke to so many people about how great it is to become vegetarian and eat more vegetarian that's all you want, right? The conversation and then everything can grow from there. So even like you said, Sagrika, like even something so simple as, you know, trying to uh, push the beyond meat burger, it just started conversation and people exactly. thinking, you know what, maybe I should eat more vegetarian. So like all these things are really great that has happened in the past few years. Yeah. I mean, I know people who are like, you know, they love to eat um, meat, breakfast, lunch, dinner. And like, I know so many people that way, but I think that even those people in my own life, I think a lot of those people have started to think, you know what like 
I actually had something at this restaurant and it was completely vegetarian. Like that's crazy. So I feel like people have really started to put their minds together. And I can only say this for the city of Toronto because like, or like the GTA area as a whole, because, you know, Toronto is a place where even the food scene, there are so many great options, so many great chefs from all over. And like, um, they bring so many cultural foods from everywhere and um, really put their minds together. So I, I think that Toronto is doing so well in terms of, you know, promoting how to be more eco-friendly in even food. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gary, like, anything you want to add to that? <laughs> oh, I mean, uh, I just wanted to say, like, uh, tagging on with the point that uh, Kristen said, communication, like ca have, having these conversations, right? Um, yeah, like a decade or 20 years ago, this was different. We would have to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation, but now we have social media. And uh, one thing I realized during the pandemic is um, uh, like it, it, social media can go much beyond than our expectations. And because of these conversations, like you could, you could inspire another, uh, another generation in the future just by taking little steps. And to be honest with you, I, I, I'm a, I, I'm a huge, uh, a meat enthusiast or not but <laughs> after trying the plant-based burger from harvey's ah oh, like, <laughs> it changed the game it changed the game so mm -hmm. i'm sure uh if you haven't tried it give it a try and when you do try talk about it tell tell mm -hmm. others your whether you like it or not it's fine but having that conversation is super important mm -hmm. uh for the for others to give it a shot as well i totally agree yeah like um so yeah i i grew up like chinese canadian whatever and i ate meat like Sagrika said breakfast lunch and dinner like that's the way that I was raised and only when I learned about the environmental benefits of being vegetarian did I kind of have those conversations with my family and realize that within my culture I could still practice my culture and eat what I wanted but do so by eating like more bean curd and like tofu and it was like equally great so um you know I hear it a lot they're like how can you you know eat your cultural foods and be vegetarian it's so doable and like Sagrika said like Toronto has a really awesome food scene that has been recognized um, by many people globally. So I think we're just super lucky to live here and, and be um, offered so many different options like that. Yeah, I think that um, that is like a perfect segue to even just, um, you know, how to bring that to your own home and how to like um, start finding ways to be more eco-friendly at home. And I, I mean, we were kind of talking about straws and packaging in general um, and how to be more like potentially zero waste at home. Because um, I know in my own family, like it's, it's pretty embarrassing to say, but like, I think we use, there is so much garbage that collects all the time. Like everything that we unpackage is just racked up in, like insanely in, plastic because you know we go to places like Costco or even if we go to like you know stores like Loblaws or wherever we go I feel like it's more convenient for them to maybe package it in plastic I don't really know how that works and I don't really feel like it's beneficial to anybody but for example like at Costco we get frozen fish and in that bag of fish each individual um, fillet is packaged which is crazy to me and I, I think I don't know if you guys can relate to that but I feel like even though my family tries our best to be as waste-free as possible like you know we have reusable bottles and like we don't really get like cases of water anymore like things like that we've made um, effort to change but man like 
there's some ways to just like it's so unavoidable which kind of makes me a little bit upset whenever I see it like whenever I take out the garbage I'm like oh my god how did we collect this much so I don't know what your experience is with that but certainly I feel pretty demotivated whenever I see that yeah I can totally speak to that even though I want to be so uh, much better waste wise and my family's also same with you you Sigrika like trying our best like um, for example, like we shop at no frills and there are these like broccolis from Argentina, I'm pretty sure. And they're like cellophane. They're like saran wrapped and every crown of broccoli is like shrink wrapped in plastic. And like my parents know that it'd make me so upset if we bought it. So we don't buy it. But this actually goes back to the topic of like, again, consumer choice matters. If enough people don't buy that product, they will realize there's something, there's something flawed about this product. They may realize it's that plastic that bothers people and consumers and they'll stop doing it. So that's just like mm -hmm. another example of how like the smallest thing, your choices actually make a difference in that company's operations. And it can curb so much like waste. And in this case, it's single use plastic. So I know recently my mom actually um, bought. So when you go to the grocery store and you're selecting individual produce, do you guys use the bags, like the rolls of bags that you know, you come with soap, yeah. So my mom actually wanted to combat that. And back in India, um, they actually don't use as much plastic as like, not even nearly as much as we do here. Um, but they have like reusable bags. So they have like these amazing bags that are um, super, super light and airy. So, you know, when you weigh the produce, it's not gonna like mess with that um and so she found those bags at i think the grocery store and now that's what we use and i think that's made a huge difference because like even the smallest of change like all we did was just now remember to take those bags in our reusable like grocery bags and now it's like we are completely eliminating a whole aspect of plastic so like mm -hmm. it's it's re it's totally easy to find um in stores but like that little tiny difference is just gonna make so much, so much, everybody's so much happier because of it. <laughs> my family did the same thing. My mom discovered them as well and bought them when she could, when she found them because again, like it's scary to realize how much even one family like can produce so much waste and specifically like plastic waste. And we're one household with like three people living here. So what exactly. is it like in all these other households, just even in my neighborhood and my community, right? Like, so it does really show you that your individual action matters. Gary, did you want to add anything? Yeah, or? I mean, not not to really add on to what you said, but, uh, but my family took it a, another step. Uh, I mean, during the pandemic, we really had nothing to do. And as a family, we're always thinking, you know, we're bored. What can we do next? And uh, we actually changed our backyard into a full out garden uh, with veggies and fruits. And I kid you not, I have never looked forward to eating veggies like this. And uh, <laughs> we have our own compost area too. So like, sometimes we think of this as like a huge um, obstacle, but this can take, this can be changed as an activity, uh, as a family activity too. And I know we live in Canada and, and right now it's not really the time, but hey, you could plan ahead too, right? So there's always going to be another spring. There's always going to be another summer. So um, if you haven't thought about that option, I, I suggest you do. Uh, you can always freeze your veggies in your, uh, if you have an extra freezer or whatnot, that's what we're doing. Uh, we chopped up some veggies and froze it out. So no more plastic bags from no frills or Costco. <laughs> so um, that makes oh, that's super so smart. happy. That's like 
awesome that you took something that is seen as like a chore and having to, you know, always think environmentally, you made it into something that was fun for your family to do. And you like basically like cut out the middleman for not even just like the packaging of that grocery store product, but that transportation. Like if you read the labels of a lot of the grocery products we buy, they're not from Canada. So important to buy local because that's like less transportation and less emissions. But like you just basically cut out so many energy intensive processes just by doing that in your family. And I know living in the city of Toronto, you may be like, I live in a high rise or, you know, I don't have a backyard, which is totally valid. But if you just like look online, everyone, and look at community gardens in your neighborhood, you will find a garden that basically everybody contributes their labor to like raising that those fruits and vegetables watering it taking caring taking care of it but then you get to benefit from uh from that and i know that some high rises are actually offering community gardens just for your balcony so i know these resources might not be at the tip of your fingers but they're just a google search away and and really you can find so many alternatives for your lifestyle to live like a happy and healthier life and, and more environmentally friendly too so there's so many options like gary said and even word of mouth sorry yeah. you were saying no, and I must say, uh, like gyms are closed too. So if you want to work out and fit, <laughs> that's another option that's for free, right? So, uh, so sorry, sorry, guys. No, I, I was, I was simply just saying that, like, even word of mouth, like, just us having this conversation, I feel like you know I'm learning so much and more about things that I might not have necessarily known about in the past, and by telling like our five friends and like those five friends telling five more people it's like that's how i think it just begins to like a whole city can kind of change their mentality altogether um and i think that something that um i know i really like tried to argue against but there are a lot of people who truly believe it which is completely valid that um to be eco-friendly costs more right and i think that does come with its set of like truth because it is more expensive sometimes in the city and i think that's because they've kind of catered it to be that way um i know that there's a lot of waste-free grocery stores however a lot of them are located in more affluent parts of the city and they're not really accessible everywhere all over um but i think that it's important to really like you know, do that quick Google search, like Kristen was saying. And um, like, I know that some really good um, stores that we can go to um, are places like Bulk Barn. Um, Bulk Barn has so much great stuff to offer and it's also really, really affordable. Um, so I know that a lot of people might feel like, you know, it's really difficult to be waste-free, but like Bulk Barn, you can take your containers and everything and fill up on like all kinds of lentils and like so many different things at Bulk Barn. Like, do you guys ever go? There are so many things at Bulk Barn. It's there are so many things I never realized you could get there. Like you can get snacks, you can get baking stuff, you can get flour, you can even make your own peanut butter. You can press like fresh yeah. peanut butter, back, bring your own jar. Like it is such an eco-friendly store and it was way before its time. It was just like, it's not even just eco-friendly. It's also a big money saver. Like if you know you're going to be using a lot of flour for baking or like a lot of beans or something in your family like it just saves you a lot of money so it's kind of a win-win yeah yeah and they're pretty equally distributed i know that they're not as again like 
bulk barn is also maybe not as accessible you know if somebody does a quick google search after like listening to this and they're like the nearest one is like 20 kilometers away from me um i mean then it comes back to what gary was saying or Kristen. like it's like there are so many different layers to this that even if you don't necessarily have a waste-free grocery store right next to your house i mean if you do then that's really really great but there are just really creative ways and i think during a pandemic such as this one i think a lot of people have become really creative more than you know their bandwidth usually would even extend to and i think that this is a great time for everybody to just kind of take a step back and think how can i lower my overall carbon footprint even if it's one thing that you decide to change about your life i think that that already contributes so much i, I mean i saw somewhere that like one person perfectly being zero waste is not nearly as amazing as a lot of people being imperfectly zero waste because it's like everybody does one little thing and I think that makes a big difference in the big long picture. Mm -hmm. I think that's such a great point to bring up like I think if if everyone from this podcast after listening took one thing away something that spoke to you whether it was Gary saying um, uh, growing your own garden your own vegetables in your backyard or going to bulk barn to buy food without all that packaging to you know taking the TTC more than driving any action that you decide to make will make a difference in the grand scheme of things. And especially if you keep up that one action that seems simple enough for you to implement in your everyday life. If you have that conversation with enough friends and family, they will also implement something in theirs. And that's just like a chain reaction. They'll just grow. And, and that's where we need, we just need everybody to be um, an actor in this movement basically. Yeah. And I mean, I know that um, in the past, I'd say two years, um, I have really become super super into um thrift shopping and like secondhand um clothing because i mean at first i used to kind of be like okay i mean i can go there for like really trendy cute outfits but overall i'm still gonna go to the mall i'm still gonna go to zara I'm still gonna go to h&m because like those are the places that i normally would shop at which i still like you know for certain things i still do like for winter jackets and things like that i would still go to those stores and i don't think that we should completely eliminate those altogether because I know that that's not necessarily feasible for everyone. However, I think just to like introduce the idea of um, different secondhand stores in the city um, is a huge deal. Like I didn't know what existed until I went looking for it a little bit, um, like renting outfits. I think Kristen and I can probably, I don't know if Gary can relate to this, <laughs> but um, what happens is that, you know, you go to an event and you wear a really cool dress, like, which is like, you post pictures all over Instagram and all over social media. Um, and then you never wear that dress again, because everyone has seen that dress. So there are alternatives in the city. And I think one is Fitzroy Rentals, which is located in the downtown core. But you can pretty much select a dress and pay the same money that you would purchasing a dress, except it's just rental. So you wear it once, you go back to return it, you can take it out for however long you want, and then, you know, somebody else gets to wear it and you get to try on a different dress. And it's it's like a win-win situation, in my opinion. I bet you, it's, I've never been to Fitzroy and I only learned this from Sigrika a few days ago, but I bet you even like renting it would probably be cheaper than you buying it. And that's probably the incentive of, of wanting to go there. And I know you had a couple other places that you wanted to mention that were also great finds that I had no idea about. And like, I totally want to go shopping there after this pandemic is over and I can safely do so. But Sigrika, I'll let you like talk about those because they were really good options. 
Yeah, there are some really, really good ones. I think that Plato's Closet is definitely um, well known and it's all over the city, I think. Like there's locations in Scarborough and in the GTA and I think in Etobicoke, like there's one on the West End, one in the East End for sure. And then Downtown Core has a couple as well. But there's also this other place known as Common Sort. And I promote that place like all the time because it's so nice. They have so many different clothes and so many like nice options. And um, they're located all throughout downtown. So they have three different locations, one in the West, one Central, and then one in the East. And what I love the most about them is that they're, again, the way that we've talked all this podcast about, like, it's like there's a way to attract your audience. That's kind of how they get people to come, right? Like, they have this whole Instagram page where they make outfits for you and, like, they make it look super, like, cute and trendy. And that's what kind of gets people coming back. They have good quality. They have really great staff when you do go. And it just is a really pleasant overall experience and I think that's all part of it I think that we never should you know take out the attractive piece of consumerism which is that you know you want to make sure that you're selling a really cool product um and instead of it being a chore like oh I have to go and get secondhand clothing it's like that isn't even on their I don't even think that's on their anywhere on their website or on their page it's not it's more like a reuse reuse and like recycle like they have really good catchphrases and things like that like that make people want to come so anybody in the city should check out common sort and plato's closet is obviously one of them as well but yeah yeah plato's closet like I've heard my friends talk about that like no tomorrow and I've been meaning to go to Plato's Closet like this is no lie I've tried to go at least four times there's um and I've just never gone to go with any of my friends and sometimes I feel like I'm an ad when I'm with my friends and I'm like where'd you get that and they're like Plato's Closet and I'm like no way like it looks brand new it looks hip it looks like with the times and it's what Greek has said like it's just it's curated to our age group to young people and you're still getting that environmental benefit of shopping at a secondhand store and I'm going to be honest with all of you I love shopping it's a new thing that I've adopted which is terrible because I don't want to be a consumer I don't want to fall into fast fashion but I still get that benefit of going to Plato's closet wanting a new sweater or something and you still get that positive like oh my god I have a new thing to add to my closet but it was secondhand so it's less bad than throwing something away or buying something brand new that took a lot of energy to make like it's something that's secondhand but it looks like perfectly fine so also like such a great idea and you still get to fulfill that like fun shopping urge and you have them like I do like you go secondhand and it's better than going brand new like H&M and Zara and stuff exactly and even and it works both ways like even if you have things in your closet that you know you're like I'm I'm done wearing this like it's been a long long time and I'm ready to throw it out it you don't want to throw it out you want to find a place and a good home for it because there's always somebody else who could have a whole other time with that and I think that is also really important to keep in mind I think um, something that I I really want to start practicing myself and I know that I haven't is like really taking value of your things like keep like you know taking good care of your things that's one for sure which I mean for the most part I try my best to do but it's like try and find a good home for it like treat your items with a lot more love and care because you know I think sometimes we kind of just like neglect when we get something new because that's just how it is like everything kind of quickly moves forward and you're just kind of keeping up with the times but I think that there are so many people that can use 
what you're done using. And I think that if we start to adopt that logic, the way that it would work at like a library's bookstore or like a library in general, like a public library, you read your book and then you return the book and somebody else gets to enjoy it. So I think if we start to adopt mannerisms like that um, and just like our pr thought process change all together, I think that would make a huge deal. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. A little challenge that you can even do for yourself. And I haven't personally gone around to it, but my sister is able to do it. And you basically take 30 items that you know you cannot live, live without, like 30 clothing items. And you see if you can like live a whole month out. So 30 days out with those like 30 pieces of clothing. And you start to realize that you only need so many things in your closet or so many things that you're kind of, uh, I guess, like affiliated with or pulled towards. And that kind of like helps show you that okay you don't really need a hundred things in your closet you maybe need 30 favorite things to live with and you don't really need to go buy a new something next weekend so i think that like challenge really does help you realize what you need in your life how to live minim as minimalist as you can and and be happy with what you have so like that's a good challenge of anyone who's struggling with um like always wanting something new or just having so much in your closet but sometimes you look at and you're like there's nothing to wear because i feel like yeah. i do that all the time that's like a really good challenge to do for yourself and i think it just like is really enlightening for that individual so i agree yeah. and i mean i don't like i feel like i remember watching this um one video on i think it was like vogue like they come out with videos all the time and one of them was um an interview with somebody who lives in france and i think the i mean i could be completely wrong but i feel like the culture in france is that people there actually really only have like a few pieces of clothing that they love like they'll buy like nicer pieces with like good quality and like live their whole lifetime with those pieces and keep adding pieces to their wardrobe as opposed to you know getting like five dollar clothes and then like disposing them a year later instead of it being that way and um i remember this woman was showing you know her entire wardrobe and a lot of the things were like really cute and quirky because she had like a coat for example and like the button had fallen off so she went to like the store and bought a new button and like sewed it into like the look and that she was just basically trying to frame it to be like this is what makes me me like this is like my look and like this is how i present myself like it's it's almost like you know you personalize your wardrobe a little bit better so that you're not just looking like everybody else out there it's kind of i like the way that that was framed because i'm like you know you go to zara i'm sure kristen i'm sure that we have similar clothes like you know what i mean like yeah. i'm sure we have like the same h&m sweater turtleneck that you're wearing right now like i literally I own I mean. that. yeah <laughs> that's what i mean so it's like we have such similar clothing i'm sure because everybody has like really similar stuff they shop at the same few stores and start to get the same kind of basic outfits um like basics like zara basics and things like that but like this lady framed it so cutely she was like you know i like went and nobody else will have a coat just like mine which i think is so cool to think about you know you're like personalizing your clothing a little bit so and you're taking good care of it yeah, it all comes down to the mentality right like exactly. this one little button like the story now i'm gonna keep with me and i'm gonna think about it next time i open my closet right so it's uh once you get that in your mindset your everything else is going to be fine yeah okay. it's really all about perception and the way that you think of things like if everyone was able to perceive that like and i think everyone who shops and everyone who has their own little like look you want to be unique you want to be original right so just 
shopping at a thrift store and shopping at a secondhand store gives you that opportunity to wear something that nobody else has. And I think that's what we all kind of like thrive for. So it's like a happy medium for everyone to like enjoy the new clothes that they have in their closet. So exactly. Yeah. I think it's so important. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. My Christmas shopping is going to be at the thrift store. We're all going to Play-Dohs. We're all going to go to Play-Dohs. For real, you guys. We should all get on the TDC and get the Play-Dohs Starbucks. With our Starbucks Nitro lids, no straws. Like we'll live, we'll go to Vegandale. We'll live like the perfect eco zero waste life for one day. As best for real. Honestly, I really feel like we should all try just for ourselves because again like instead of it being like a dreadful thing it should be like a fun activity we oh, should like, all try and be like zero waste for a day i really want to see how far i get because i don't know if i could be zero waste completely zero waste yeah there are definitely like challenges out there and like right now i volunteer with the jane goodall institute of canada and we're actually hosting these like social media challenges starting in january of 2021 till like june and basically like every month we're gonna hold a challenge on social media to see if like people can follow along and either be zero waste or one week one month is going to be like energy conscious one's going to be like uh, avoid single-use plastics so we can put all this in the bio for the podcast but just like again having someone to make you accountable for your actions and just a fun challenge with like all these people in your community is just like a big incentive to like keep it going and like Sagrika said it's just like a really eye-opening experience for you as an individual to learn about yourself and your habits and how you can curb them um, and that's kind of like the whole point of what we wanted in this podcast we wanted people to understand that in the city of Toronto where we all call home there's so much that we can do to be environmentally friendly and help curb climate change and start this conversation and, and further the movement and there's so many things that you can do in your everyday life and again you can just choose one so it can be um, consumerism and your shopping habits and your coffee habits but it can also be your transportation or it could be um, where you want to eat out it, it, it really the sky is the limit and again everything is interconnected so every little action counts so that's what we wanted to get out of this for all of you and just kind of realize that there's so many great things happening and that when that climate anxiety overcomes you or you may feel burnt out from having this conversation with so many different people and hearing about it in the media just try your best to ground yourself and realize that there are so many great things happening in your city that should give you relief. And there's so many things tangible that you can hold in your own grasp that you can really say, yes, okay, today I did something great for the environment and that's awesome. And I'm going to keep moving forward with this ambition to help curb climate change. And that's all folks. Thank you all for listening to our first podcast. And just as a heads up, we will have our next episode joined by our special guest from the Toronto City Council. So be sure to tune in for our next episode.